If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Roto Hour here on SportsGrid TV. I'm Davis Maddock, joined by Ricky Sanders and Christopher Pacheco as we run through NFL Draft Week here on the Daily Roto Hour. We are actually in the middle of two separate Dynasty rookie drafts. We did a mock draft on the show earlier this week. Now we are going to step out of the realm of mock drafts and head into some actual drafts. We did two separate Dynasty Fantasy Football startups over the course of quarantine because, you know, we just we just do not have anything better to do. So one of them was an auction draft. One of them was a snake draft. We have now done both of these drafts. We are through picks. So we're through the first three rounds in the Snake League. We mm-hmm. are through the entire uh, quarantine auction draft. So that and this one was actually so intense. We got all the way down to the uh, sixth round of that one because so many people preferred the younger players to the veterans that were out there. So uh, how did your experience go, Ricky, in these snake drafts? Do you think you did better or worse in one of them or did one of them, you know, did you enjoy your draft in, in one of them more than the other one? I enjoyed the auction more, but I think I did better in the snake draft because the auction draft, I saw people just trading away their futures to get money And I just wanted to do the same thing. But I had spent so much on Christian McCaffrey that it kind of hampered me and I needed that additional money. And uh, I just didn't feel like it went as far as it should have. Whereas because it was snake and, you know, it was just picking in order, I felt like I stayed more on point in that one uh, where I balanced, you know, future with present. And looking back at the picks and how far some of the picks fell, like I think I got the 307 in rounds between rounds 18 and 21 that felt like it felt 
excellent seeing who I got at these picks once we went through the draft. Um, but for the auction, because I, I went so old, it was just a little bit uncomfortable doing this draft. So my strategy was to win now in both. It just so happened I went all in on one, and I think I feel just about as good with each team, you know, right now. So that that shows that I probably did better in startup. All right, uh, what about what about you, Pacheco? Did you enjoy the the snake draft one more? I I I gotta say I'm gonna be doing a lot of talking about other people's picks because mm-hmm. I either did not draft that many picks in either the startup or in the auction. Or I traded them away. So uh, you guys, you guys are definitely going to be talking about your drafts more in the show, and I'll I'll talk about why I did what I did. But uh, yeah, Pacheco, how did uh, how did the drafts go for you? I mean, I've I've enjoyed the process. The thing is, in the auction league, my picks uh, like they're five point nine or in the sixth round. So like I didn't have to make any meaningful picks in the auction league. So like you, Davis, I've just had to like sit and, and see what other people pick on the snake uh the meaningful pick that i had was the 3.6 uh where i selected darrington evans and i felt i mean i felt pretty great about the value that i was getting with evans uh at that point my next pick is the four three i traded my 3.12 to to ricky um so I'm, now i'm at a 4.3 and i i, I mean I, this is going to be another meaningful pick for me I, i'm Pretty sure I'm going to select Jacob Eason here because my quarterback room is really shaky. Um, all things considered, I've enjoyed the process. It's just I think I've enjoyed uh, the, the snake a little bit more because I have more meaningful picks in that one. Well, actually, and if we if we uh, if we really want to get technical, we are actually doing three rookie drafts right now because we are also all in the Buffalo League where you guys actually co-own a team. I co-own a team with Drew. Uh, and then Leone has a team in this league as well. Uh, so we can we can just kind of talk about our experiences in all of these drafts and the order that uh, that the players went in. So in the auction league, uh, I had the 103. I traded with Peter Overzet to get the 101 so that I could get Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I gave him the 212, which in this draft was Anthony McFarland. In the Buffalo draft, the 212 was Cole Komet. In the Snake League, the 212 was Jordan Love. So I I when I when I just say those three names out loud and then I see who went, I I think Clyde Edwards Hilaire is that much better. I think he is a Cole Komet better than Jonathan Taylor. Do you agree or disagree with that, Ricky? Oh, I completely agree. I just don't know if you realize how bad you screwed Leone and I, who were doing some backdoor dealings as well. I was supposed to trade down to the 104. Uh, He had actually offered me future picks in order to do so, to get up to the 102 so he could take Taylor. And we had a gentleman's agreement that if Edwards Hilaire went 101 to Overzet, we were going to swap those picks and I was going to end up with Burrow at 104. And then you guys actually pushed a trade through. So first of all, uh, you really hampered us. We didn't really uh, show that in public, but behind closed doors, we were tilting pretty hard. But when it comes to Edwards Hilaire versus Jonathan Taylor, uh, I could see a scenario in which, you know, Marlon Mack was productive enough last year that in the short term, you get a Marlon Mack, Jonathan Taylor, like split backfield. Yeah. I'm not as concerned in Kansas City just because of how powerful that offense is going to be. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is a pass catcher. We have PPR. So mm-hmm. his floor 
is just outstanding. And we know his ceiling if he actually takes on like the 60-40 or 70-30 role with Damian Williams playing a role, his ceiling is just outstanding. So to me, even as a guy who needed quarterbacks in a bunch of these leagues, like if I had the 101, I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was the easy pick. Yeah. Um, so I, I imagine that in the vast majority of dynasty rookie drafts that is uh you know that that is just going to be the case Clyde Edwards Hilaire is going to go first overall he also went uh he also went first overall to me in the auction league as well which uh was never in doubt after he got selected um in the Buffalo league however Joe Burrow went first overall and when I'm looking at the roster that he went I I don't agree with the idea that Joe Burrow is worth more than Clyde Edwards Hilaire Pacheco, why I think some teams might do it is quarterbacks are just so hard to come by in this league. Like yeah. you go go if you are in a super flex dynasty league right now, go try and make a trade for a quarterback right now. Go try and trade for Ben Roethlisberger. Go try and trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. Go yeah. try and trade for even Derek Carr. And someone's going to be like, okay, I'd like a first round pick back, right? I'd I'd like a first round pick back for for mm-hmm. Derek Carr. And and and. So, yes, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to be more valuable for the next four years, five years maybe. But Joe Burrow might be, you know, I mean, Joe Burrow might be the QB3 in Mm -hmm. 2030. And if this league, I mean, Joe Burrow is never going to lose fantasy value is essentially what I'm saying, Pacheco, until until he retires. That is, uh, that's pretty much correct. And And I think, you know, it makes all the sense in the world why Clyde Edwards Hilaire would be the top pick in these rookie drafts. I, I totally get it, especially given the landing spot. Landing in Kansas City, uh, one of the higher scoring offenses in the league, having the best quarterback in the league, it seems like uh, situation-wise, I don't know if it gets any better than that. But I, I do wonder if, you know, Damian Williams can can really step up and, and potentially have like 60 to 70% of, of the workload uh, in, in Kansas City, especially in the early downs. Like, what if, you know, just trying to play some devil's advocate, like, what if uh, what if Clyde Edwards-Hilaire only plays in passing downs? Still, It's still plenty valuable, but wouldn't that crater his value a little bit? I mean, it would, like, so let it, let's even say we get a 50-50 in Kansas City, and in, for 16 games, the, the carries and targets between Damian and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire are split 50-50. They both probably finish as top 20 running backs, Ricky, top 15 right. yes. running backs, because they're, they're just going to score so many points. There's going to be so many touchdowns available. For so, sure. like, like and, and this is this is Damian's last year with the team. He is an undrafted free agent after this year. Correct. And they don't have any other, I mean, Darwin Thompson seems like he's probably not really an NFL player. Uh, I mean, Daryl Williams is coming back from an ACL tear. They signed DeAndre Washington. But, I mean, and and you can say the same thing, too, for Jonathan Taylor, by the way. Uh, Marlon Mack is going to be an undrafted free agent at the end of this year. And yeah. if Jacob Eason, you know, they're, they're going to turn to Jacob Eason after Phillip Rivers, if Jacob Eason can play at all. And, I mean, you know, can Jacob Eason be as good as Drew Locke? I mean... Maybe right, like it's it's possible. Yeah. Uh, where where it, it's it's kind of hard to evaluate some of the quarterbacks in this year's class because no one needs a quarterback. Jameis Winston just signed a contract for like one and a half million dollars, which mm-hmm. is like he's getting paid like less than um, AJ McCarron, who is the uh, who is the backup in Houston. So like 
maybe these quarterbacks are actually good. There's just no demand for them this year. I, I think that's possibly true. So, Ricky, where do you stand on on Burrow versus Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in these super flex formats? I think it's based on needs. Like, I think if you don't have a quarterback and you need a way to acquire one, I think drafting a potential generational quarterback is completely fine at 101. I don't think it's like you absolutely have to go Edwards-Hilaire, but I think if you're doing okay at quarterback, I think Edwards-Hilaire is just like the logical guy. Now, I don't really think there's a scenario where Damian Williams is dominating the workload. Maybe early on, maybe the first few weeks we see, you know, Damian Williams play 60% of the running back downs, but by mid-season, you know it's going to be closer to even with the way that, you know, Mahomes wanted Edwards Hilaire and the way that, um, you know, the coaching staff did. I just, I see it as he's going to be productive regardless. And then year two on, like, the arrow shoots straight up. So I think there's a strong case to be made for each. Yeah, I mean, I think that is, uh, I, I think that's probably fair. Um, so moving on uh, a little bit, so... The, the top three in 100% of these drafts are, are Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Joe Burrow, Jonathan Taylor. This was, this was the same in all of them. I don't think there is any argument for those to go in a different order. I, I love C.D. Lamb, Pacheco. I, yeah. I, just, I do not see an argument for that going in a different order. What do you think? No, I, I don't think so either. Um, I, and I'm, I'm right there with you on C.D. Lamb. I, I really do love him. Um, you know, I don't think he belongs in that conversation, uh, conversation either. Same with, uh, JK Dobbins, like him, don't love him enough for top three. I, I guess there is a, maybe there is merit to maybe Tua going number three. I wonder what you guys' thoughts are there, but like if, if say the person that was selecting three and someone already selected Burrow at two needed a quarterback at three, I could see Tua potentially sneaking in. That's like the one name that I think could belong in that conversation, given the upside that he has, I don't know, for the next uh, 10 years, 10, 15 years, if he's actually healthy in a Miami Dolphin uniform? So I guess my opinion on my, my opinion on that would be that there's a little bit of concern about his health, but I think you can justify it most years based on ceiling I don't think that is true this year because I think yeah. that I my my evaluation of CD Lamb is that he has the ceiling to be one of the 10 best wide receivers. I think he's a really high floor prospect. He went to an amazing situation where he's going to get to be a third wide receiver and be against third cornerbacks and then Amari Cooper is going to leave when they can get out of his contract and then he and Gallup and Dak are going to be like this unstoppable megatron of mm -hmm. scoring points in the NFL. And like, I just, I think to me, CD lamb at, at number four is clearly the right way to go. Ricky. Yeah. I can see a case to be made for Tua for if you absolutely need it and you're hurting for quarterback again, it's needs based. Yeah. But the thing with Tua is the same concern is that all the teams have is that if you're drafting a quarterback in the top four, you want to be able to rely on this guy for years on end. And we're not even sure he can make it through an entire NFL season yet. We're not sure he's going to be the starter year one. So you might have to wait a year to get a guy who could be broken goods. There's just a lot of risk there where there's not that same risk for these other players. So I would have to be awfully hampered at the quarterback position like Drew Brees and no one else to go with, you know, a Tua 
as opposed to a CD Lamb, because I know CD probably doesn't have the most you know value right now because he is in a three man rotation with you know Amari Cooper and Gallup. But for the future, or if one of those guys go down, you just get a monster in CD Lamb. So I'm I'm still unsure how I feel about one of the trades I made, which was moving up from 107 to get to 102 in a league where I had three old quarterbacks. Uh, and I took Joe Burrow there just so I had something for the future, but I would have I would have landed CD Lamb at 107. So I'm like kind of tilted, but at the same time I was 100% playing for this year. And CD Lamb's a wide receiver three. Like I think if even if I were playing for this year, I might have had to take Judy just because of how short my team's window was. So there's a lot of context that goes into Dynasty. I think the proper take at 104 is CD, but I think there are scenarios where like you could be forced into Tua. Yeah, and again, this was very consistent um, across the leagues. We saw two ago at six in one of them, two ago at four in one of them, and two ago at four in the third. Um, do you have a strong feeling between J.K. Dobbins and DeAndre Swift, Pacheco? There, there is definitely a side where I lean. There, I'm wondering. I'm wondering what your thoughts are. I, I love, I love Swift's receiving prowess. But I, I think Dobbins is is who I, I prefer in that pick. I, I don't like the landing spot for Swift. Maybe that is enough for me to just go with Dobbins because I do like his I do like where he landed and I like the fact that Mark Ingram and, and Gus Edwards, you know, as good as they are, they're just guys that once their contract is up, I don't see Baltimore renewing them. Like I, I could totally just see Dobbins, you know, being the the workhorse type back uh, for, for that team. I can't really say the same for Swift, um, so I, I would lean on Dobbins. I think that is. I think that's probably. Um, I think that's probably fair. Um, you know, I, I I I like Dobbins more. I also think that we need to say that Swift was sort of universally considered the better prospect a week ago. Swift goes to a landing spot that is viewed as bad to neutral. Dobbins goes to a landing spot that is viewed as basically great, you know, because that team runs the ball so much. They run the ball effectively so well. I mean, Carrion Johnson might be out of Detroit in 12 months. If Carrion mm-hmm. Johnson is gone, Ricky, you know, we're, we're talking, we're taking DeAndre Swift at the back end of the second round in fantasy drafts, just like we did with Carrion Johnson literally 12 months ago. Yeah, but I think it's also underrated here that they took Jason Huntley also, uh, who was a receiving back. So I think if you look at reports, basically they still view carry on part of the short-term plan, but they also drafted a third down back. Remember, they've been a team that's liked using guys like Theo Riddick, and it just might be how the system views their running backs, which just will never give you a true RB1 that you can rely on, even one as talented as DeAndre Swift. Like we said, you know, a few weeks ago, we loved DeAndre Swift. We were hoping he would land at about 25 different spots. We would be all in on him. But the way that, you know, the Lions run the football and the way that they deploy these running backs, it just doesn't give you a ton of hope for for fantasy purposes. So for that reason, I got to take Dobbins, who I see as the starter in two years. And even in year one, he's going to be active. Yeah. Um, All right. So everyone, we are going to continue talking through some rookie draft strategy with some real time results, real leagues that are happening with real money where we're really playing in them here on the Daily Roto Hour on SportsGrid TV. Uh, We'll be back in a few moments to continue running through the rest of the first round. DailyRoto.com. 
Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to to start listening. All right, everyone. Hello, and welcome back from break on the Daily Roto Hour on Sports Grid TV. I'm Davis Manick, joined by Ricky Sanders and Christopher Pacheco as we continue running through uh, multiple dynasty fantasy football rookie drafts that we are in right now. So my my assertion is that after pick nine. It's it's literally anything goes. The the first nine players that are very likely to go are going to be you know in in basically this order: Clyde Edwards-Helaire, Joe Burrow, Jonathan Taylor. Then it will be Lamb or Tua. Then it will be Dobbins or Swift. Then it will be Akers or Judy. Those so those are those are the top nine picks, and that has been the case that it has gone in that order in every rookie draft that I'm in right now. So I'm in four rookie drafts right now. Those guys went in some order, the top nine picks. Then there is a huge, I think, a huge tier break after that. Do you also think that there is a a pretty, like, do you agree that Justin Jefferson, Jalen Rager, Henry Ruggs, do you agree that there is a big tier break there, Ricky? I'm a, a Jefferson fan. So I think if teams who have won recently uh, have one of those later picks, which seems to make sense, unless, you know, there have been all kinds of weird trades, 
I think Jefferson for a team that has been contentious is a home run uh, on Minnesota, especially in the early going, because some of these other guys are like true projects. I mean, uh, we heard a stat yesterday that Justin Jefferson caught more passes his final year than Henry Ruggs did, you know, his whole college career. Uh, Jalen Rager is a guy who's a speedster. He's got a lot of speed competition in that Eagles system, especially if Deshaun Jackson has anything left. But, like, Justin Jefferson is pretty clearly a starting receiver from day one. Uh, in an offense that focuses on having two receivers, we heard all offseason about how Irv Smith could be ascending in this offense. Like, I don't think he's taking a higher target share than a receiver that they took this high. So I think Justin Jefferson is a tier drop, but I think he's in a tier of his own. And then I like the other receivers. I know Pacheco's going to disagree because he's a Henry Ruggs guy. And uh, on the team that we co-manage, he talked us into taking Henry Ruggs. But yeah. just realistically, I think Justin Jefferson is a tier above him, but it's not like something that, you know, I'll cling that I wouldn't, you know, overcome if my partner said they had a strong feeling elsewhere. I just would have liked that that production in the early going. But, you know, Ruggs was taken with the 14th overall pick or whatever it was to the to the Raiders. So they obviously really like him. I mean, he was the first wide receiver selected in the NFL draft. Yeah. He's routinely going to go in the second round of rookie drafts. There, the chances are that the fantasy players are wrong, not the NFL, right? Just because over right. over the long run, it, like I mean, if you just drafted guys in the order that they went in the NFL draft, you would probably miss more busts and pick up on more hits that people don't like for whatever reason than the other way around, because the NFL is going to be the ones distributing the touches and who are, yeah. you know, well, like I mean, let's be real, the NFL is going to be better at scouting wide receivers than uh, than Twitter. Yeah, I just want to add that John Gruden's a pretty predictable guy, too, by the way. He falls into having his guys. So if he has identified this player, sort of like he identified Hunter Renfro last year, uh, they just threw the ball to him a lot. If Ruggs, they thought, was the top receiver, they're going to try and treat him as one just because that's what John Gruden does. He's like, I'll show you what I got. You can, If you can stop it, you can stop it. He's kind of just always been like that. I mean, yeah. with, with CeeDee Lamb and Jerry Judy, both on the board, he went with Henry Ruggs. It, 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 that's kind of my point, uh, Ricky. Like, it, it's very telling that they went in that direction. Not saying that they are right in selecting that type of player, but clearly they're going to try to feed him. Yeah. Uh, so, so Pacheco, I mean, do you want to walk through the conversation that you and Ricky had when you guys were deciding between Ruggs and Jefferson? Yeah, sure. So um, this is... Uh, this is the Buffalo League, which we we just won uh, last year, and we have this. Uh, we, I believe we had the one point one. We we had the one point one two, and it, it was basically Jefferson against Rugs. My stance was that Rugs, I, I think, has more Im like immediate value, given that he was selected with the twelfth pick in the NFL draft. Um, you know, as I just mentioned, Lamb and Judy both on the board, and then he's the one that selected. That kind of spoke volumes to me, not saying that they made the right decision, but I think, you know, with the Raiders clearly needing receivers, uh, they just don't have a top guy right now. And honestly, Ruggs doesn't have the size for me to, to look at him and, and say, oh, this guy's going to be clearly a one, but they love his speed, and maybe that can make up for it. So, I think the volume and the upside for rugs is going to be very legitimate, at least in the immediate future. I also like Jefferson quite a bit, but if it's between both of those players, 
I'm I'm always going to side with rugs. Did so so while you were uh, while you were discussing this with Pacheco, Ricky, do you did you buy his argument? Were you like, you know what, Pacheco, you're right. That is that is correct. I'm I'm with you here. We're making the right selection with rugs. No, it was just kind of a shrug. Is that I. I recognized that in our initial draft, I overruled him on certain things. I just didn't care enough. This was just me being like nonchalant. I mean, with Henry Ruggs, okay, so both these teams drafted other receivers, I should say. But Brian Edwards, I think, is the more legitimate talent. They already have Hunter Renfro. They already have Tyrell Williams. Uh, they drafted Lynn Bowden, I believe, as well. So there's a lot of competition for Ruggs. So, like, just because they took him earliest, I don't, I don't necessarily think that means he's going to be the most productive. I still stood by that I thought the situation was better for Jefferson in the in the near future, which is what, you know, we're still really competitive. It's a team that we have four running backs. We have Julio Jones and Tyreek Hill. Like, it's a good team. Um, but I just didn't care enough figuring that we could talk later when there were guys that, that I really thought we needed and I could potentially overrule him then. So it was just kind of like a, I, I don't really care. By the way, I haven't, I still haven't seen um, someone rank Jefferson ahead of rugs in the industry. Like I, I'm, I'm just, I've been researching and trying to see like what outlet has, has made that a thing. And I haven't seen it yet. It's because well, it's because you literally Austin. can't, you, you literally can't rank. Jefferson ahead of Ruggs I don't think because Ruggs was the first pick in the NFL draft like it Hold just at a certain you, you can't look at our auction draft there were plenty of people who handicapped that how about the 110 and the 111 Justin Jefferson Jalen Rager and then Henry Ruggs went so mm-hmm. talk about there's no people I think we all consider this to be well sharp people. I mean we we all love Jalen Rager everyone everyone in this league loves Jalen Rager big time Okay, so, so you can you can talk about him. Justin Jefferson want to pick even higher than him in that league. So, what do you guys got to say about that? Like, 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 I'm not saying it's not close. I, I think the decision is a close one. But I think even just the fact that the Vikings run the ball so much, uh, Ruggs is landing in a situation where Oakland is going to play from behind a bunch. And I think he has the the real opportunity to be the top wide receiver there, whereas Jefferson very well could be, uh, perhaps once Adam Thielen is out of town. But I, I just I feel like I trust the volume more for Ruggs than I do for Jefferson, and maybe that's a bit misleading and incorrect. I think I think that it's you know I think that it's probably fine. I I will probably waffle on Ruggs versus Jefferson a bunch. I don't really trust John Gruden. I don't really trust Henry Ruggs' quarterback situation. They yeah. drafted Lynn Bowden. They drafted Brian Edwards. On the other hand, for Jefferson, I mean, I just think Zimmer wants to run the ball 900 times a game. And, I mean, yes, Jefferson will probably be their lead wide receiver next year. Like, he probably won't this year. It'll be another year of Thielen. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I don't even know how much I even like the idea of... I don't even know how much I, I really like the idea of Justin Jefferson lead wide receiver. Like he might be better as like a complimentary 120 targets a year out of the slot type guy. Mm-hmm. So was Stefan Diggs is all I got to say. Like Thielen was the main guy for a year and a yeah, half. And so, true. and Stefan Diggs was still a guy that we were targeting in round three of seasonal drafts. So if that's like the ceiling at, you know, the end of the first round, I'm completely fine with that. So that's kind of my selling point there. I did want to bring up this topic because I feel like we need to talk about it on this. 
Chase Claypool. I'm just going to throw that name out there and maybe remain <laughs> silent because it turns out that uh, Pacheco and I are the number one Chase Claypool truthers. <laughs> but I saw a statistic that for guys who were as big as he was, the only one, the only receiver in modern history who ran a, a better 40 time was Kelvin Johnson. So I don't think Pacheco and I were being crazy getting sniped at the end of the second round, trading a future first no, round. No, it was, it was bad. It was <laughs> what you guys. I Hold did. on. We I... used we used a trade calculator, and basically uh, the one that we used was very low on him specifically. But if you took any of the guys who went right before him and you added a fourth-round pick, it was basically fair value. So if you think Claypool could be as good as Mims or Pittman, like, then it's a fair trade. If you think Clay, Chase Claypool is a tier below, then it's probably a crappy trade, and it's going to come down to that. I think that they're probably-ish in the same tier. And I love Chase Claypool. I, I think he's great. I think he is going to be, you know, just a, a really good wide receiver in the NFL. It's just, I don't know. Like, it sucks to get sniped. It sucks to yeah. but in, insta-trade the 2021 first. Um, you know. well, we, we expect to win this year. We expect it to be the 1-1-2, so hopefully we're right. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> actually, it's actually funny in this league that we are discussing um you know mm-hmm. everyone is there there are it's a pretty well balanced league there are not there are a lot of pretty good teams so okay now looking at this top half of the second round this is where i think we get a second tier break so i talked about that 109 being the tier break i think there's another really clear tier break so at 110 uh then it goes to like jalen rager rugs jefferson um Keyshawn vaughn Brandon Ayuk, LaVisca Chenault, T. Higgins, Denzel Mims, Michael Pittman. And then for me, that's where there is a, a big drop-off at the at the 206-207 range where we get to, to Higgins and Mims. You know, that that's where we start getting away from wide receivers who are drafted rounds two, rounds three, where we start going into the Cole Komets, the Jordan Loves, the Anthony McFarlands, where where we get into the more speculative range of guys. Uh, do you do you agree with that assessment, Ricky? Yeah, I would put Chase Claypool obviously in that tier. Like if I had the two hundred eight, I would have been taking Claypool there. Um, and I have it ranked differently than it's being drafted. I think Keyshawn Vaughn's the running back in that tier. There's no argument from me. I love Brandon Ayuk. I'm a little bit lower on like the Chenault Higgins Mims. Like I think Claypool's mixed in with them, and I think Ayuk's a slight tier above them because. Without Emmanuel Sanders and with, you know, the way that the offense is going to work, look, it's probably going to be pretty run heavy. You're probably going to see a ton of all the backs. I mean, Raheem Mostert, we know we're going to see plenty of, but Tevin Coleman's going to get a role again. And I think there'll be a run heavy team. But now they've got three guys who are run after the catch. And I think you're going to see a lot of short passes. And I think in terms of PPR leagues, you're going to see an early return on him that you're just not going to see with a guy like LaVishka Chenault. We don't know what we're going to see from Burrow yet. So I think T. Higgins is a little risky, especially with A.J. Green still there. And I think Denzel Mims is reasonable. But I I just have Ayuka tier above them and then a drop. And I have Claypool included in that tier that you don't. Uh, So I think Chenault, Higgins, Mims, Claypool is a tier. Uh, with Pittman, Pittman's definitely in that tier as well, and then a drop, and then like after that, it's like a bunch of speculative guys, including Cole Komet, who I do like, but I just think that receiver tier is, is awfully nice in the second round. Pacheco, what are you what are you thinking about uh, what are you thinking about that uh, that tier? Do you agree that there is 
you know, excess value trading up into that range, you know, or whatever. Uh, how are you, how are you feeling about that tier? Yeah. I, th- I mean, I, I definitely think there's value and, and it depends on what, what you're trading, what you're trading. Uh, you don't, you don't want to give up the farm for one of these games for one of these names. I don't think, I mean, we did, I, I thought our trade for Claypool was steep. Um, the trading a first round, it does seem like a lot, but I, I think Ricky and I just understood that we're on the same page with him, and we think he's going to be a stud. And for that, we have to pay a, a very, very steep price. Um, do we win that trade more times than not? I don't think so. Um, I think we lose that one. Um, but I, I think of Claypool very highly. I think he belongs in that. Uh, I, I really do think he belongs in that Pittman, Mims, Ayuk uh, tier. I think T. Higgins is definitely there too. You could argue T. Higgins is probably more valuable uh, than those guys uh, as well. I, I even think Mims is a little bit more valuable than Claypool at face value, given the given his spot and given the fact that he might just get fed wide receiver one volume. Um, I think there is some equity in trading into into these names, but of course, it's it's just going to depend what you're willing to trade for them. I'm definitely not willing to to sell the farm for for a couple of these names. I am willing, and one of them is is definitely Chase Claypool. Yeah, uh, I I don't think you are wrong to put Claypool in this tier. I think some other guys that would maybe people want to put in that tier of, you know, expecting immediate production and a high ceiling moving forward, you know, Zach Moss, KJ Hamler. But, you know, to me, Ricky, I, I think there is, I, I won't even, I won't even argue. Uh, I won't even argue against your, your boys. Uh, I won't even argue against Chase Claypool. You guys know that I love him, but mm-hmm. to me, so, so let's say 207 for me, 207, it, it, it ends there. Yeah, and that depends on how you feel about Justin Herbert. Uh, if you if you're not a fan of him, then it's probably like two oh six. And I, I mean, we were talking about it with a league mate who was who was potentially thinking of you know rehauling his team, and he said, "I got to take Herbert here, right?" And we're all like, "Well, if you're restarting a team, do you really want that to be your focal point? Like, if I were you, I would probably be trying to trade up for Tua, or I would be waiting and taking a Jacob Eason and just you know." punting a year because I, I think the price on Herbert compared to these studs that are available. We talked about how deep the draft was. I thought it was about 15 deep. It turns out about 18 players are just phenomenal picks and anything after that is mostly interchangeable unless there's a guy who falls here and there, which we see in every draft. But you know, if I were doing it all over again, like I would want anything inside the top 18 in auction. I think like the 202 through the 205 would be the picks that I would be going hard after. Yeah, I think that is uh I think that is probably true. So when we get back from break, we're gonna take a look at the third round, back end of the second round, and maybe a couple of our favorite fourth round selections. We'll we'll get to talk a little bit about the super flex value of Jordan Love, Jalen Hurts, Jake Eason, Jake Fromm. So some of these quarterbacks that are not gonna be starting in 2020, but will be hopefully inheriting starting jobs moving forward. Uh, maybe we'll even go a little bit into the fourth round and get really deep and bring up Devin Asiasi and Quinton Cephas and Van Jefferson, uh, all of these, uh, all of these guys. So everyone, uh, make sure to, uh, stick around as we head on out to break. We'll be back in just a few moments, continuing our look at, uh, 2020 rookie dynasty fantasy football drafts. DailyRoto.com. 
Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. All right, everyone. Hello and welcome back from break here on the Daily Roto Hour on SportsGrid TV. I'm Davis Maddock, joined by Ricky Sanders and Christopher Pacheco. We are running through some options here in Dynasty Fantasy Football Rookie Drafts. We are talking specifically the Superflex format, but, uh, you know, some of you probably are in non-Superflex formats and enjoying them as well. Um, Ricky, you're you're the Bears fan. What is the right way to value Cole Komet in these drafts? I think the end of the second round is about where to value him. Like the the problem for me is I don't think there's that much of a difference between him and Adam Troutman, who I view as the clear top two tight ends. So if you need a tight end and you have a pick, you know, at the end of round two and then early round three. I would be trying to take a different position instead of Cole Komet. Like, I don't think the the Nagy system is unbelievable for tight ends. He does like short passes, but he also uses three receivers in them. Whereas I'm interested to see 
what Sean Payton can do with tight ends after the Drew Brees era. Like Troutman could even be worked in this year. Wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if he caught a handful of touchdowns in year number one. But I, oh, you know, Jared Cook's almost assuredly done after this year. Drew Brees is almost assuredly done after this year. So I think Adam Troutman is going to be the starter in 2021. It's just a matter of who's under center. But with an offensive mind like Sean Payton, I think you could feel pretty good that it's either going to be Jameis Winston or just a guy that they that they trade up for or find. And so I don't think there's that much of a difference. Komet's going first, which I think is probably right. But I just prefer the value of Adam Troutman if you can get it. The problem is if you don't pick for another full round, like you just got to just take the best available. Yeah. Uh, what, are, what are you feeling about some of these young tight ends? So we got, you know, we have Cole Komet, we have Albert O., we have Troutman. We have the two guys the Patriots took. I mean, what are, what do you think Bill Belichick's plan is for Dalton Keene and Devin Asiasi, uh, Pacheco? That that's really that's really difficult to answer, especially you know with their quarter uh, with the starting quarterback situation the the way it is. I just I'm I'm really lost with what their offensive plan is going to be, other than. Trusting that that Nikhil Harry is is healthy this year and, and can feed him, you know, some good volume. Um, maybe you know one of these tight ends or a couple of them uh, pan out. Uh, I, I would think they're going to be used, you know, pretty extensively. If Asiasi could block, uh, he seems like you know he could be he could be on the field for a good uh, for a good bit. Um, but it seems like Dalton Keene. It, it strikes me like that's their type of guy. Um, you know, a guy that can block, a guy that can catch and, you know, is athletic. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Dalton Keene ended up being like their their top tight end uh, on that team. It seems like they're just, you know, th- just like throwing stuff at the wall and see what sticks. Um, Keene, it, it seems to be like the the uh, like the prototypical tight end uh, for, for that offense, um, which, by the way, I, this isn't related to the New England situation, but I just saw it come up on, on my screen here, Ricky. We were having that Josh Reynolds against Van Jefferson conversation yesterday, and I just saw that um, Sean McVay said they wouldn't have traded Brandon Cooks if, it, if they weren't confident in, uh, in Josh Reynolds. So it seemed like Josh Reynolds is going to be the starter um, next to Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. Um, and I know that might be a little bit of a bummer for you because you selected Van Jefferson in a, in a, in, with a late pick, uh, and you were trusting him to kind of win that job. Yeah, I'm not believing anything a coach says at this point. I mean, uh, there hasn't really been a lot of production for Josh Reynolds when he's played. I think he has three touchdowns the last two days. I was looking at it yesterday because I wrote an article for the case for Van Jefferson in fantasy after I drafted him. But yeah, I, I again, I just don't think that's that Josh Reynolds has done anything to just officially earn that role. Even when he stepped in, he hasn't been overly productive, which is the reason I think they took, you know, a second round receiver. But as for Devin Asiasi, can you tell me what they saw in him? Because yeah. I saw the comp for him was LG Crumpler, which is like his ceiling. You know, LG mm-hmm. Crumpler was a productive tight end for a while, but a wide load dude. Uh, his combine was not great. I mean, like a 30-inch vertical, 16 bench reps for a guy who's massive, which is like, honestly, I think I could do it. Uh, I think I can match the 16 reps of 225, and I'm just Joe Schmo. So, like, what are the, what do they see in a slow tight end who's not a great blocker, who's not very athletic? Uh, I I would agree with you that Asiasi is just a guy that I'm not overly enthused to draft. I think I would rather take Dalton Keene around later in rookie drafts and just kind of try to throw darts. 
Um, but I also think that like this second tier of tight ends is just not overly appealing to me either. I would rather take a shot at the end of drafts on the undrafted guys, because I think personally, Hunter Bryant is one of the most talented receiving tight ends in this class. And I think Thaddeus Moss has an opportunity to potentially compete for snaps early on, just looking at the other tight ends they have. So those two tight ends specifically, I would rather draft with pick 512 than I would you know, want to uh, invest in one of these three with a much earlier pick. It looks like fourth round is where most of these guys have gone. Yeah, you you make an interesting point. We have not really talked about Thaddeus Moss yet at all, Pacheco, but I mean, yeah. like, I don't know. Maybe, if he catches 35 passes as a rookie or whatever in that weird, funky Washington offense where they always seem to be needing a tight end, they're always down to their, like, six-string their, their, uh, six tight end by uh, by week four, like, would uh would would not really surprise me. I mean, so I I will say I have heard a little bit about Devin Asiasi that the the Patriots like Ricky actually do legitimately like him. Mm-hmm. That they that they scouted him for a long time. That they traded up for him, uh, or that they were maybe gonna yeah. trade up for him. Like they they thought that Devin Asiasi was like a legit prospect guy who fits what they want tight ends to do. So mm-hmm. like I I actually. Pacheco, from a dynasty perspective, I'm kind of intrigued by him. So uh, they did trade up for him because they they traded for the pick that the Raiders had, the number 91, the 91st pick. Uh, so th- they do like him. It seems like maybe what they saw was something in the in the route running. I mean, clearly they saw something for them to be able to, to draft up for the guy. The thing is, uh, they just don't really draft great offensive players. Their best one, to to my recollection, thus far is Rob Gronkowski. He was the one guy that I was like, whoa, like this guy is, was legit at the college level. You know, he was just really banged up. But given the opportunity, he he could really stand out. Um, him and Aaron Hernandez, I mean, they really they really stood out to me as as great picks. None of these picks that they made this year offensively really struck me as, yeah, I have to invest in this type of player. Yeah, I mean, I I I think that there are reasons to be interested in that uh, player type. Okay, I want to talk about Lynn Bowden Jr. Ricky, I know that you like Antonio Gandy Golden. Uh, there are you know Antonio Gibson also for for Washington. A lot of uh, you know a lot of a lot of different you know toolsy prospects down here. But Lynn Bowden Jr. played wide receiver, quarterback and uh, played wide receiver, quarterback, and running back, basically, at the University of Kentucky. Uh, I just drafted him in a rookie draft last night. Uh, Pacheco, are, are you in or out on Lynn Bowden Jr.? Uh, I think I'm in. I think I'm in. I, it's just, it's tough, man. I feel like I'm in on a lot of the Raiders wide receivers. And let's be honest, some of them are just not going to, they're not going to make it. They're not going to be legitimate fantasy producers. Bowden, I think, certainly could be. I'm in on, on him. Where, where are you at on Bowden, Ricky? Do you, do you, I mean, I just okay. love guys like Bowden. Where is everyone fitting into a John Gruden offense? Can you explain this to me? Since everyone seems to love everyone uh, that's yeah. been taken. We've got Derek Carr, who, honestly, I traded pre-draft to get Joe Burrow along with the 107 because I was worried that they're paying the backup $7.5 million. They might give him a chance if there's any struggles. And, you know, Derek Carr is a low-key, like, accurate quarterback. 
So I don't think he gets as much credit as he should. But you've got a system now where you bring in Henry Ruggs, you already had Renfro, you bring in Brian Edwards, you bring in Lynn Bowden, you have Josh Jacobs, you have Darren Waller, and you have, what, 25, maybe 30 on the high end of passing touchdowns. Uh, you have maybe 4,000 yards if we expect this you know, offense to be good. Like, I don't think we're talking about a 4,500-yard, 5,000-yard passer between Carr and Mariota, or even Carr at his you know top 1%. So we have an average offense. We have numbers that we're talking about worse than like a 43-year-old Tom Brady. And we have a million different targets. So Lynn Bowden is a guy who could take it to the house anytime he touches the ball. He was that Kentucky offense. He's yeah. just a guy that I think is only has any value right now in uh, best ball leagues where you don't have to guess which week. And that's probably true for most of these Raiders pass catchers. I think other than Darren Waller in the, in the short term. Uh, because we just don't know what it's going to look like. We we know Renfro looked like he was starting to get it going down the stretch, but now we're not sure if he's even a starter in three wide receiver sets. Uh, yeah. We don't know what Henry Ruggs is going to look like. I think I think it's it's just tough to to project where the pro- production is going until we know who's starting. And I think it could be a scenario in which you see a bunch of different guys go for like 700 yards and like three touchdowns and just be incredibly frustrating when you thought there was going to be like one main dude. Well, I mean, I I guess my opinion would be that Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, Tyrell Williams, these are placeholder players. And if Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs and Lynn Bowden Jr., if all of those guys are as athletic... Well, Renfro was a second second rounder, though. Just remember that. No, I mean, I I know. They they Mm -hmm. like Renfro, right? I just, I don't, I don't get it. I know, I know you love Renfro. I just don't get it. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but yeah, you had to note that. Well, yeah, I mean, just just my take is that if these prospects that they all drafted are, you know, as athletic and as good as we think, I think that they are going to outplay those guys and and turn their touches into much less, you know, pretty much immediately. Yeah, I think that's fair. And Renfro, by the way, talking about guys who didn't have good college numbers, uh, Renfro didn't have great college numbers, didn't score very much. He was just an underneath guy. So I don't think it would be shocking if Renfro was played out of his job. It's just a matter of like they just used extreme draft capital and now they thought the offense needed a complete overall. Yeah. I don't I don't know what they're doing. I mean, Tyrell Williams is also with the team, uh, I believe. He's under contract for at yeah. least one season. Now, yeah. um, thing is, he, he can't stay healthy. He can't stay on the field. At least he didn't last season. Um I agree in terms of it's it's going to be really difficult to pin down where things are going to go with volume wise. They just drafted a million receivers. Um, I my for my buck, like I think Ruggs is going to be the guy that stands out the most given where they drafted him. It's really tough to rely on these Raiders given you know their their history, especially with John Gruden at the helm. You just you just never know. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that that is um, I think that that is largely fair. A couple other guys who are who are going late that I really like uh, Ricky Darrington Evans, who we just uh, we just got a nice little snipe on you there in uh, in the Buffalo draft, I believe. Darrington mm-hmm. Evans from Appalachian State would not would not surprise me if he is Tennessee's lead back in like two years. Yeah, I mean, Derrick Henry is coming off one of those massive volume seasons, and he only, I believe, is under contract for one more year. So all of a sudden there will be an opening, 
And you look, 303 attempts for Derrick Henry last year. And I know he is a big dude, so the punishment he delivers as opposed to that he gets is probably different from a bunch of the other 300-plus carry backs. But at the same time, we have seen those articles year after year when there's been a 300-carry dude about how the production immediately tails off. The last one we saw was DeMarco Murray, and like clockwork, he was basically done after that. So, you know, you can't discount that huge workload and the fact that he's a perfect complement to a guy like Derrick Henry in uh, leagues like best ball where you don't have to predict. I think Darrington Evans, he showed in college that just about as much, if not more than, than Lynn Bowden, anytime he touches the football could be a touchdown. So he mm-hmm. doesn't need more than like five touches a game to be a legitimate threat to have a monster fantasy week, which is the good news about Darrington Evans, especially when you think like he's probably not going to get much volume in the early going playing alongside Henry, but it's the thunder and lightning kind of backfield that I think is really interesting. And I think there's potentially a future where he's the main guy for a few years. All right, Pacheco, who are some of your favorite late-round guys? Oof. Man, that's really tough. I, I think um, I think Darrington Evans is definitely leader of the pack for me. Um, given everything that's going on with Tennessee in the future, and, and not like I really do think there's a possibility they move on from Derrick Henry because he's going to be asking for massive money, and I just don't think that they're going to be willing to meet him. Like, this offseason, I thought if, if they were going to sign him, it would be coming off of this big season, and they didn't do that. So maybe they're just trying to go another season to see, you know, what else can he do. Um, but he showed us a ceiling season last season. I don't know if there's anything else other than potentially catching more passes out of the backfield for him. But I do think Evans can, can certainly uh, crater that. I, I think he enters that third-down conversation uh, for Tennessee. So... I, I do like him. He's probably my, my favorite one uh, of the like later picks. Uh, I also think, you know, sticking to the running back conversation, Zach Moss is a name that I, I it, 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 he's really interesting to me because I think there is a scenario that plays out where he could be the lead back of Buffalo. And you can talk, here's the thing, you can talk yourself into these things for a lot of these names, right? Ultimately, we're not in control of the personnel. It's just us guessing. But I do think there was this scenario where Zach Moss just takes over the offense. I thought he was very productive in college. And I I don't think Devin Singletary has done anything, you know, incredible to earn that starting job in Buffalo. So I can very well see Moss, you know, taking control of that job. And he's going, you know, decently late, like at least third round-ish. And if that's the case, I, I would want him in, in, in that round. I think he provides fair value there. All right, real, real quick, Ricky, give me, give me one more fourth, fifth round rookie pick name to, to give out to the folks. Darnell Mooney, and it's not just a homer pick. I think he steps right into that Taylor Gabriel role. He's another little guy who's very quick. He was productive in college. I think he's a fourth-round talent going in the fifth round. I really think for teams that are trying to compete like now, that's a steal late in drafts because I think you get a guy in best ball, especially with the Bears, you don't have to guess week week to week which is going to be the big volume week for that slot guy, but he fits right into that naggy offense. So I really like Darnell Mooney. All right, everyone, thank you very much for watching and listening to the Daily Roto Hour here on SportsGrid. We're having a great time running through all of the outcomes for fantasy football from the 2020 NFL Draft. We will be back tomorrow with more content and analysis on the 2020 NFL Draft. DailyRoto.com.
Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast to start listening.